Merkel Media. Howdy, are you tired of the Mockingbird media feeding you propaganda? Are you tired of occult rituals in every football game you go to? We got some for those pedophile space lizards. We got a lot for everything that's coming to take away your freedoms. So subscribe to Kill the Mockingbirds with Joe Thomas and Sean Chris, and we'll get rid of those pesky space pedophile lizards that are running the media. And go to your closet right now and pull out every bit of artillery you got. Brah! Brah! Hey, and we're back. <laughs> You know like what we do. We get all the housekeeping done right in front. You can go to killthemockingbirds.com right now. Check out the podcast. Go check out the disinformation section that we're constantly adding new material there. And of course, check out the merch, man. We got our music up there as well, but go to the merch, man. We got some brand new shirts. Yeah, we do. We have the Become Undeniable shirts that just hit about a week ago. And that just represents everything we do as as far as working hard, you know, putting everything you got into what you're doing and just making yourself undeniable. But we've got some really cool ones, too. We've got the Dogman is New Bigfoot shirt. We've got the Nephilim Portal Baby shirts. We've got the Bird Killer shirts. We've got uh, Keep Your Butt Cheeks Tight shirts, too. And when this episode drops the next day there will be another new shirt we're not going to tell you what it is but it's going to be a brand new i will say this it is a cryptid shirt so if you like cryptids and this is an oddball cryptid too so this was a uh, design that buddy sean here came up with and it came out fantastic with the artist that we ended up using so you guys will really like that make sure you check it out we'll be at the 40 and airwaves ultimate podcast conference when the shirt drops so people there will be able to see it in person and be able to purchase it online as well as see the live show that us and all the other podcasters are doing there it's gonna be a fun weekend we're gonna have a blast we're doing a once in a lifetime live show with a topic that we've talked about often on different episodes but we've never done it like this before so this is going to be completely new completely different some great visuals involved too and you know we gotta cut it up with our boys from crippers of the corn on this one so if you guys are looking for kind of a joint type of podcast deal it's kind of what we're doing with this so it's gonna be a lot of fun and you know how we do it too sean we like to get these five stars out of the way you guys have been doing five great stars. With the five stars killing it killing it with the five star reviews we've got lord diego brat brat is what he calls it been hooked on this podcast since I found out about y'all through the confessional. Shout out to Tony Merkel. Y'all make my job bearable. Love the old earth and biblical stuff and everything in between. Nephilims are out to get me. Yes, they are, Diego. They are out to get you. So, you know, keep your butt cheeks tight. We've got Kakaran. Superman is a what? Superman is a falling angel. He comes from the sky, big, strong, fast. Think about it. LOL and Andrew Tate is Batman in Europe. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny, but he's not wrong when it comes to 
the lore of superheroes and where they come from. It's actually a derivative of a lot of these ancient gods or fallen angels or the other form of demigods, which would be the Nephilim. So, yes, you are completely right that Superman is an iconic uh, image of a fallen angel falling to um, Earth. It's, it's very much so. It's, there's some Luciferian ties there, too. So you're on the right trail. We've got Jessica Skeens. The Booyah Boys did it again. Another great episode, guys. Love listening. God bless from the mitten. This was on Spotify. Really appreciate that, Jessica. And we've got Hayden Grieve. Good job, fellas. Yeah, I fell for this at first. He's talking about the Mandela effect. But then I realized if you make it where people are question, questioning reality, they aren't focused anymore. And then everything is fake. Now they're crazy, LOL. Very true. That's what our whole goal was with this Mandela episode that we just did. Because... It is. People get caught in this context of everything's fake. Everything's a matrix. You know, everything is this fake reality that we're in. Well, then what's real? Then at that point, who, why believe in anyone that can save you or anything else? You know what I mean? It becomes or even this, yourself or even you know yourself. I mean? Because you're just uh, you're nothing. Nothing's real. I, I think that's the point of exactly. what they're trying to do, in my opinion. No, I completely agree with you. So I, I think that's a. A, a fake narrative and if you go back if you haven't heard the mandela psyop episode that we did go back and listen to it i know some folks got their cheeks a little tight on that one because we did get some uh rather interesting dms and emails and stuff but at the end of the day it's there to pr give you thought-provoking uh things so you can start looking at what's going on around you with a different lens because everything it's all fake. fake news it's phony stuff <laughs> it didn't happen <laughs> exactly in the in the words of the of the uh well some people would think great donald trump everything's fake king, fake king trump <laughs> king trump yeah exactly so but yeah we really appreciate the five-star review guys keep it coming through um you guys have been fantastic since we have been working together for about a year and a half and I love all the, the you know, pretty much we get really positive stuff. And I like if it is, a lot of times it's just a little constructive criticism. Uh, and then every now and then, you know, you get the people because every single podcaster, I'm sure like even the bigger ones have to deal with even worse. More people so, just yeah. feel the need to write your books. Like, you know, like, hey, man, I don't know. Like, hey, I, I'm just going to start telling them, yeah, I read it. <laughs> just right. Like, hey, right. Or just go with the thumbs up emoji. <laughs> They yeah, get and, it just, <laughs> and it depends though, Sean, too, if we're doing a topic that tends to be controversial in the circles where people are very deep rooted in how they think and feel about it, they're going to get mad. We got some pretty interesting stuff off the Moors episode uh, from people who thought that we were bashing a certain race. That's not the case. We just believe that everybody's on the same level playing field. I think that it's classism and not racism. And we're going to expand. As in, when we say level playing field, we're talking with God. Like, we're not talking about government. Like, obviously, there's all kinds of crap with governments. But on the level with God, we're on the same playing field. Like, we're all start, starting point as far as what God sees us as. Right. And what I mean to level playing field, I'm talking about what you say, the working class. I think we're all in the same playing field. I don't think there's a, an advantage or disadvantage with race. That is something that's been 
given to us so we can fight each other. But that's not really the case, especially when you look at hidden history and how a lot of those things have happened. Listen, all races or whatever you want to call it, because I don't even really believe in race theory as a whole. But if you, for lack of better word, race, there are elites in every single race. So that's that's been throughout history. So I don't care if you think your king's from Africa or your king's from Ireland. They all had elites. So they all had elites that controlled them and manipulated them. This it, it wasn't like somebody had a thriving utopia and got destroyed by well, whatever race that, that came in. They do, but we don't. And I think that's why people do get angry a lot of times. Yeah, for sure. And they won't look into because they need to hold on to that victim mentality about certain things because it gives them some sort of meaning because they maybe they have had some it gives bad them leverage to too them. and it gives them leverage, leverage in arguments and leverage in certain you know and it it's the people at the top uh are the ones kind of like drip, dripping it down and then obviously if you're in a bad situation it's easy for you to like be like man I ain't got nothing you know what I mean and this guy's giving me I'm with you I I think everybody is on an even playing field now, like if like governments and stuff like that, I think they have done stuff. Uh, but that doesn't mean that like, that's why I just said God, because it made me think of that. Like, I never really thought of it like that. But right now when we were talking, like, I just, I was like, yeah, isn't it crazy? It's kind of is like, we're all, God put us all here. It's just that the circumstances are in the certain regions and how man has kind of like, and man, and you could say fallen or anybody else, but I'm just saying has kind of manipulated stuff. So we are on the level field, a level playing field. It's just that for us, certain reasons they weaponize whether race gender or whatever it may be some kind of like you said victim mentality they weaponize it so like you're it doesn't feel like you're ever going to get a fair shake well and it's it's funny because you said according to god we're all on the same playing field sadly there are groups of people that don't believe that that believe that god created certain races to be the number one race or the chosen ones. And then everyone else is just a little bit lesser. So I believe that that's the funny thing about it. Now it's crazy because Paul came and told the Israelites during his run, how that wasn't true and how that, yeah, they were created from this bloodline, but God had superseded that at this point. And I think that people don't want to acknowledge that. So you've got groups of different colors and I'm not, pinpointing any particular color, but they all have their groups that pull verses from the Bible or whatever version of the Bible they have. And they're saying that their race is the chosen people and how that they have been oppressed because they're the chosen people. And that goes for all races. It's not just like I'm shooting missiles out at the black Israelites or whoever else, because the Ku Klux Klan is in the same category as that. They do the same thing. They pull from the Bible and they create this narrative that they're better. You know, what's funny whenever you start saying that, Oh yeah, well, Adam definitely wasn't white but he wasn't black either. I think he was more brown or a neutral color. How mad both sides will get because they don't want it to be to where we're all the same. They have to believe that their well, it ruins race the whole is, narrative, man. It ruins their narrative and it ruins the ideology that they've been deeply engrounded in. So, but regardless of all that, we did say we did got off a little tangent there, but we just try to, let people know that they were here for everybody. We're not pinpointing any particular person, but if it happens to be that we're doing a subject about something specific, we're going to open up the truth 
about what that is, or at least our truth of what we see that it is, because we think that everyone in God's eyes is in the same sphere. They want us to think that we're not, though. Like the great philosopher Jackie Moon from the Flint Tropic said, Everybody love everybody! Come on! <laughs> Facts. <laughs> but don't forget, you can check our music out. Joel Thomas, Sean Chris on all music streaming platforms. You've probably already heard our music at the end of each episode. We play one of our songs and you'll hear us say what song it's going to be, but we are going to play where we're really pumping that uh, shape of shadows soundtrack on everywhere. So if you got Siri, you got Alexa, just say play the shape of shadows, Joel Thomas or play Joel Thomas or play Sean Chris. They will definitely just hop on that music and play it for you. And uh, let's start it off like this. Coat folded up and he threw it up the back, right? And as soon as he did that, all you hear was the lady screaming, John, they're stealing. <laughs> so that made, I did, it made me think of that song. Uh, the stealing, uh, uh, the first stealing, we got actually two kind of thefts. It's different types of thefts uh, stories. Uh, the first goes by the good old. <clears throat> Cokehead, um, Hunter Biden, <laughs> the Republican saying new ban, new bank subpoena shows Hunter Biden listed Joe's address. Yeah, it's pretty crazy that it's not crazy that it's being reported because we know that that Joe and Hunter have been doing seedy things forever, right? I think it's more interesting that this is coming out in the left mainstream media more than ever where they're now actually acknowledging it, even if they're saying they're against it, the fact that they're even reporting it and making it a thing, I think it does play into what you've been saying, Sean, about how that the mainstream left media is trying to make Joe Biden look worse and worse and worse. And to this point of this new bank subpoena, so the Republican-led House, they had an oversight committee and they did, like you said, subpoenaed a bank for Hunter Biden's records, and they obtained two wire transfers from Chinese nationals to Hunter Biden in 2019. So, again, it's funny how this is just now coming out right now, a year, almost to the day, a year before the election period happens for the next presidency. And it has listed Joe Biden's Wilmington, Delaware home address as the beneficiary address. So they're saying that this address is the address that received the funds from uh, these two Chinese nationals. Now, James Comer, who was over the oversight committees, the chairman, uh, he made the announcement that subpoena was very specific and that two wire transfers are the first examples the panel has found of Hunter Biden receiving money directly and not through a shell company. So this is funny, a year before the election period, that these two wire transfers that did not go through a shell company are popping up now, Sean. And I think that coming from the left mainstream media, they're doing one of two things. They're either trying to get Joe out of this election cycle and get a new person to take Joe's place to run for the Democratic Party, or they're going to try to make Joe look as bad as possible to facilitate Donald Trump getting in easier because they're not, they're still going to make Donald Trump look bad. And listen, it's not like these, it's not like these articles are doing this to make Joe look bad on, 
on the surface. They're doing it underhandedly behind the scenes because, yes, they're going to throw in jargon from Joe Biden and Hunter Biden's lawyer saying that, oh, this is a big sham. They're just trying to pull all this stuff up now. But the problem is they've got names. They've got Wang Zing on July 26, 2019. They've got another one. August the 2nd, 2019, $250,000 wire from Jonathan Lee and Tang Ling. So they have the names. It did go to Wilmington, Delaware. Now they're saying that that Hunter was in custody of his father for having issues with rehab and everything else. So he had to stay there. So I think that's they're going to try to make that the little out, at least on the left mainstream media, so they can say like, oh, we got Joe's back. But they really don't. They're really throwing Joe under the bus. And I honestly believe it's one of two things. They want to either get somebody in to run for Joe or they're just making it really easy for Trump to get in. I think there's a split in the Democrat Party, too. Like, I think like in the mainstream media wise, like I think some are like cool with just like, hey, let's just keep riding Joe. And like, that's a good face. Like, and I think there's an argument like because Pelosi has come out, too. And I I don't have the clip with me, but uh, there's a clip where she's on Anderson uh, Cooper. Uh, good old Anderson spy Cooper, uh, CIA Cooper. And she's talking bad about um, Kamala. She's like, ah, you know, she's like kind of like, it's like that backhand where she's like, oh, Kamala, you know, we're proud of her. Look how she speaks. She speaks so well and blah, 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 blah. But then she talks about, and then she goes, does the Joe Biden whisper. And she goes, but she pulled at 6%. <laughs> like she says it like that, like all oh, weird. So there's like throwing shade at each other. And I think there's this split because obviously her nephew is Gavin Newsom. Obviously she wants him to run. And that's like the obvious candidate. And you're in, I don't think necessarily it will happen this year. Uh, the 2024 election. I think there's still a strong possibility of replacing with him, but you're seeing people try to make that, that, um, effort to look presidential look at aoc right now she's like doing her little hitler stuff you know how she because she's real animated and she's like aoc gavin newsom and a couple other people you're seeing to make a run and to even further it like to further the op you see that uh kennedy jr is now officially saying he's gonna run independent so he's trying to really make things interesting and people think that's gonna take away from joe biden I kind of think they want Kennedy. I almost like now I don't know what's happening, but it's just trying to unwind what they're doing, how they're kind of like you said, like attacking Trump, attacking Biden. They both will not debate anybody. They will not go into a debate, which is weird. They're both high in age. Like they clown on Biden and you're like, hey, man, I get it. Trump's not like as bad as Biden, but he's a couple years in presidency. We don't know if that would like smush his brain or whatever, raise that Havana syndrome that they're sending at people, making their brains mush. I think that there may be trying to push or see what it looks like as Kennedy being the new op and like they're dangling them out there. I don't know what's actually actually going on, but it's just been interesting to see that unfold, how they're attacking Biden, but the people online, then there's also people supporting him, which is weird. You seen that one, representative and sometimes though i think it's just to make a name for themselves she was talking about the hunter biden thing and she's just like oh the the problems can't stop talking about it they're saying secret information he's on the shitter and i think it's funny because i'm like why are you supporting white privilege like of all times of when you talk about white privilege what i which i believe is elite privilege but if you wanted to make an example and really be like hey you know what white privilege is it's hunter biden doing coke and not getting caught. It's Hunter Biden having guns and not getting anything for it. It's Hunter Biden selling secrets. 
back. We could go on forever, you know, on this list, but they refuse to do that. So it's just this weird. That's why I think it's like a split because it seems like some want Joe out. And then there's some on like the social media side that are just like super like pushing for him. Like he's done. He's the greatest president I've ever seen. Like, shut the fuck up, man. That's too much. Right. No, I, I completely agree. And I do agree with the fact that they are attacking not only Joe Biden, but also Donald Trump. At least the other politicians are. I mean, like Chris Christie calling him Donald Duck. And you just got all of these different things that are happening. But in some ways, I think that's doing more to help build Donald Trump up, too, because people love that stuff, man. When Donald Trump gets attacked, it actually helps him more than Joe Biden getting attacked because Joe's just. I mean, he's on his like 50th clone and and they're not doing well because they're a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy. So it's 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 not going well for that party. So, again, back to what I said, I think that it's one of the two. I do agree with you that it's split. I think the Democratic Party is split down the middle. And maybe maybe it is a big ruse to get Kennedy in. Maybe he could be the first independent to run and people say, you know what? He's a Democrat, but he's also got a lot of traditional ideals that we like. So he kind of plays that very middle road that people would enjoy. He was against the vaccines, but he's also for globalism. So he's got a lot of the traits that both sides could gravitate to. That's what you need, man. You need somebody that's not polarizing that can bring everybody on board. And I think that he could be at least a precursor. Maybe he's maybe he doesn't get voted in, but maybe. You got me thinking right now, what if he is, like you said, maybe, you know, he doesn't win, but he gets a good percentage where they're like, wow, the most, like, I could see it like, wow, he's got the most uh, votes ever as an independent, like, you know what I'm saying? Like high percentages. So maybe that is how they tank the independent crowd where they're trying to kind of, like you've been saying, it's the same thing with the blue beam that we talk about. They're trying to find ways to get people that critically think that question things boxed in, right? They're trying to come for us. They already got the other people understanding and, and going through protocol. We're like, wait a second. So it's like we got to kind of keep watching these slides of hand. No, I completely agree. And I think Kennedy's absolutely part of the plan when it comes to at least rooting out all the critical independent thinkers, because I think a lot of those guys will end up falling for the Kennedy ruse. A lot of them have already. So I think that that's coming. I don't think any of these guys with a ton of money or whatever have really got our backs. That Not guys that have been perpetually in the system for a long, long time. And when we're seeing the uh, people come out too, like, you know, like that Vivek, a lot of people fell in love with him. But if you don't dig, they seem like they come out of nowhere, but they've been somewhere. You know what I mean? Like they've been somewhere cultivating and building this character of like, hey, you're going to do this, whether it's teaching him or just polishing him up because he reminds me even more of like a he reminds me kind of like i would say like a republican gavin newsom where he's kind of like obviously much younger but you know he has that like i'm with the young crowd like i know what the people want but he has these hardcore values i just see a lot of what's going on even like i don't know if you caught any of the republican debate at all i didn't really watch any of it but i did think the best thing, the golden, thing, <laughs> the best thing that was played. Did you see that uh, that uh, one meme where they Which like one? did it, like, the where they did the video because like they did it like that and they kind of like they used their voices, but they also put AI in it. Like it was like showing them like NFL, <laughs> like the NFL. No, I didn't see that one. No, I didn't oh see that my one. god, I gotta show you it, man. I posted it up. If you check, 
I still it, it was a Trump guy, but I got I think it was like his name's like Johnny Maga or something. But like I was like, uh-huh. well done, bro. Like hilarious, bro. So it shows like Ron DeSantis. I wish I would have brought it. I, I know you didn't see. It. It's like Ron DeSantis, <laughs> and he's like Ron DeSantis, lockdown university. <laughs> and then it goes to <laughs> Vivek, and Vivek he's a World Economic Forum school business school or something. <laughs> and then the best is when it gets to Christie. It's all Chris Christie, Golden Corral State. <laughs> <laughs> Gold Corral State. That's great. <laughs> bro, they, whoever made that, man, mad props, bro. Like, I was like, that is the funniest thing I've seen in a while, man. They made fun of all of them. No, that that's what they're trying to do with this Hunter Biden stuff, too, is I think when we do see, like, the political pundits on the left and the senators and congressmen, when they're defending Biden, maybe we maybe they're defending Hunter because they're defending just the Democrats to poke at, not even defend the Democrats, but to use it as a way to make Republicans look stupid. Because now that I'm thinking about it, now that we're talking about them actually going at Biden, maybe they're not shielding a Joe, but they're actually just going at the the Republicans at that time, right? Like they, they don't care about Joe, but at that time they're trying to make, because there's multiple things happening and they are trying to make the Republicans look stupid because they kept trying to show, they're like, they're not showing these bank subpoenas. They're showing like pictures of him doing nonsense or things that you would think have no meaning. And they're acting as if there's not actual documentation and evidence of these crimes. Oh yeah, for sure. And I think that having this Republican party look into Hunter Biden, it keeps the narrative up that it's right versus left, and these things don't really exist, at least to what the left mainstream wants to give to their audience. But again, the problem is they're reporting on it now. They weren't reporting on it before. They kept it pretty hidden before. Now they're putting it out there in space. So I think that their whole agenda is to make Joe look bad because even the average person at this point is is thinking that something's up with Joe. Dude, I'm going to tell you right now, even to people I know personally who are left-leaning, they're not big Joe Biden fans. Matter of fact, they think he should be out of office. So I don't think it would be a hard sell to that crowd to get someone else in there for Joe to run for Joe. Again, if they leave Joe in there, It's to lose by a landslide. I think they just want it to tank all the way out. They want it to be some sort of actual fight to the death with Trump and whoever. They'll put somebody in there, at least for optics, to make it look closer. No, that I I can subscribe to that totally. I see that happening. And that's what we're seeing a lot of these Republican talking points that they've been using for the last few years, seeing more surface. And we talked about like the whole defunding the police and, you know, things that have happened and what could could occur if this trend continues. And you know me and most people that should know that I'm not a big fan of the police, right? Like I understand like it, as I get older, you get a little bit more understanding of other people's thoughts on it, but I still have, I'm very, very on that. Like, Hey, we need to be on these cops and like, you know, making sure that they're doing the right job and all this and that. But I think this whole, I don't, think that defunding them and that the attack on police has made it even worse and that's why we're seeing all these thefts we're seeing property values go down uh we're seeing just neighborhoods get just ripped apart and then the republicans get to go hey that's a democrat-run city and california is one of the biggest hot spots but that's not the only hot spot 
big brands, Target, to close nine stores across four states citing theft. And I don't know if you've seen any of the videos, but a lot of the videos, um, not just Targets, but Walgreens and stuff like that, they have some in San Francisco where they're all, you know, the the plastic that you used to only have like booze behind because they're like, yeah, somebody's going to be a drunk wino and try to rip it off or whatever. Now everything is. You're talking about cereal. You have to get someone to unlock it because they're stealing so much. And here's a little clip from uh, MSNBC, I believe, or MSN, one of the Microsoft stuff. Who it's knows, MSN, man? yeah, Microsoft. You know those damn Bill Gates. <laughs> but uh, talking about the target crime spree. We will begin with yet another big company blaming theft and organized retail crime for its departure. Target announcing today it is closing several stores over safety concerns. Some of those stores are here in the Bay Area. Quad Forest Noel Bello joins us now live to break down this big announcement. So, Noel, which stores are closing? There are three stores here in the Bay Area, Justine. You may recall this viral video from earlier this year. It was taken inside the Target on Folsom Street in San Francisco, showing aisles and aisles of product locked up behind security glass. At the time, a company spokesperson told us the glass was a proactive measure to try and deter theft. But today we learned this is one of the three Target stores in the Bay Area that will be closing next month. Here are the other two, the Target store on Broadway and 27th in Oakland and the location at the Century Plaza Shopping Center in Pittsburgh. These are the only stores in California that will be closing due to crime. Now, I do love the idea of a big corporation's dying, right? Like, that's great. I I don't like Target as a big corporation, but there's no little independent people that are going to take it over. There's no small business owners that are going to take this uh, void over because they're going through even worse. They're not going to be able to move their stores. (laughs) Absolutely. Also, there's a flip side to this whole thing, and I was looking into it, and there's this New York magazine called the Intelligencer. Yeah, Intelligencer. That's a weird name, but it is, it's an actual magazine. But they came out with this article called The Mystery of the Closing Target. And they actually bring up some very good points in there, even though it's a very, very left-leaning article. Uh, but I was able to glean some really good truths from it, and they made some sense because they're saying that Target shuttering nine stores across four states due to the thefts, which we just heard. But the issue is what the company said about it. So the company says that it made the decision out of concern for safety for its employees and guests. During the first five months of this year, our store saw a 120% increase in theft incidents involving violence or threats of violence. And this came from Brian Cornell, who's the CEO of Target, and this came during an earnings call. So every quarter or every month, they do an earnings call and they go through, hey, this is our profit loss margins. This is what's going on here now. But this is what's crazy, though. So check this out. So they're closing the Target store on 118th Street in East Harlem. But they're opening new locations in the Bronx, Chelsea, Union Square, Kings Plaza in Brooklyn, and on 125th Street, just a mile and a half from the one they're closing on 118th Street for robbery. So my question is, why are they opening up stores only a mile and a half away from where they were getting robbed? And this is happening. Here's what's crazy. They're closing these 
nine stores, but they're still keeping open like six hundred. I'm sorry, nineteen hundred stores. So out of one hundred nineteen hundred stores, they're only closing these nine, but they're making it a big optics parade in the mainstream on both sides. Matter of fact, Fox, CNN, all of them are making a big, a big show it, about this. You think it's a native ad? Like, so a native ad is like, I don't know if you know what a native ad is. It's like where the news is like, hey, Taco Bell. And they start talking about like this whole Taco Bell story that does. And I know there's theft, but sometimes they'll do that. They'll bring up stories of certain companies. And it's like, without being an actual advertisement, it's a news story, quote unquote. But it's like, because it's you're right. It's like a nothing story. Nine stores compared to how many there are. Why are... And I didn't even realize they're moving a mile away. So at first I was thinking like, okay, maybe they move out of state. Maybe they're doing it because there's contracts sometimes, you know, like, hey, if you're going to have this many targets in, in my city, but you're going to move a mile away. <laughs> like, I don't get it. That's the Has part that doesn't make Yeah, yeah. And so I don't think that it's actually because of the theft, because the way they break down the numbers as far as how much that has been lost globally from robbery. And I don't think people understand how big these numbers are, but it also lets you know how much these companies make where this is just a small percentage. But in 2021, it was $93.9 billion that were lost as opposed to 2022, which is the most recent report, which is $112 billion lost when it comes to these stealing and robbery and all that as far as stores go this isn't target this is everything globally that you look at so just let you know how much these companies really make targets numbers are at 500 million that they lost from last year but that's still a very small percentage of what they make now what i do find funny is you were saying native ads yeah but it starts there but then these big CNN, Fox, always pick it up and turn it into a crazy thing like it's happening everywhere. It's just this massive. And don't get me wrong. I think, yes, these the, a lot of these big cities are turning into the absolute cesspool. That's a fact. We've seen the videos, but they are pushing this narrative really hard. What's the end game of why they're pushing this, especially since they're opening up stores a mile, mile and a half away from where these robberies are happening? So they don't really care that it's happening in these areas. They're going to just open up a new shop a mile and a half away. So they don't really care about the robbery part of it. I don't think that has anything to do with it. And they all have like, a, a, what's it called? Donors? Like, you know, I mean, uh, what's it called? A, a lobbyist. They have lobbyists. And you're telling me you know damn well that all these lawmakers are the ones preventing you from stopping the theft from happening, right? There's laws that have been passed that people get let out. Um, and, and, you know, we could go back and forth the whole bail thing. I have my own ideas on it, but I'm saying like, if someone's repeatedly, you, you cannot let people just go into stores and just steal. Now stealing is going to happen. I get it. Like, but you can't blatantly have people walk in with trash bags and going, Hey, I ain't going to jail. I could, as long as I get like uh, under like 1200 or whatever, it's a thousand or whatever it may be. That's a lot of product. And you're not getting your lobbyists to push that's where I know it's a narrative. That's for sure where you know it's a narrative because why are your lobbyists not being like, hey, man, you need to get this under control because you're not really losing money. You want the narrative out there. And at the same time, you get a native ad where people are like, oh, yeah, maybe I'll check out Target, man. I got to support Target, man. You know, a hey, Target lives matter. 
here's what I think out of all of this. And I think this plays into something you've said for the past year, or maybe just since as long as I've known you, which is about two years now. I think this plays into this police state that they want to push down the road. The more that they show that under this regime, that it's out of control, all these robberies are happening and bad things are happening, which they are, but they're over pronouncing it. If we're looking at 1900 Target stores and they're only closing nine because of theft, that's a super, super small fractional percentage of what's actually going on. So I don't think that that's really the issue. Again, especially if they're opening up stores a mile, mile and a half away, it, it, it's not. So that's my take on it. I think they're pushing towards a police state in the future. I'm not saying it's happening in a year, four or five years from now. It's going to eventually happen. The more that they show that, hey, all these robberies are happening. It's getting crazy out here. And I'm not saying that Philly's not burning to the ground in some ways right now. But I think some of it's overblown because it happens in like certain spots. It'll be a block that it happens in, right? And they'll make it be like the whole city is yeah. burning to the ground. There's always and a it's good, not really. Every city has a good side and a bad side. And that's even before now. And the problem is, is they're not letting it fixed they're not trying to find solutions they're just like hey let it happen like you know what i mean there is solutions and it doesn't have to be authoritarianism but that is what i think they want too because then the people beg for it they're like oh man please just do whatever man like and then they're like yeah but now we're all going to be infected well you know we could do it and we could clean up the streets we're gonna have to do a nine you know nine o'clock curfews like you know what i'm saying that's how they're gonna little by little it's not like a police state just doesn't happen overnight it, they've been doing this is that's what's crazy when like i saw like people like alex jones talking out with trump and stuff where you're like bro we know it's you've been you you have a website called prison planet like and now you're like back the blue and like i'm not saying attack the blue either there is good to me. Everything's small. Everything has to be like in little, little towns. Like when you have a corporation as a NYPD or the LAPD, just as examples, these huge mega conglomerates of people that don't care. It's all bureaucrats at that point. You need it to be where it's like, you know, local sheriffs where there's five, six people. And that's the, depending on the town, but there's a lot of stuff you could do, but yeah, I definitely agree. The whole He's stealing it! is just to like really get them to push their narr their ultimate narrative of getting us to um, comply, but that's never gonna happen. And then I always gotta play this classic because it made me think of this. Cause I steal, I don't kill. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least they're not killing over there. They're just stealing from Target. And isn't it weird <laughs> that it's always Target, man? Like, why is it Target? In the George Floyd thing, it was Target. Like, it, there's something I got with one Target. For you though, so I got one for you in this left leaning uh, magazine, this New York magazine, right? The intelligence, sir, they actually brought up a very good point that isn't brought up with all of the crime wave and shoplifting and epidemic uh, narrative that they're trying to push. What they did say was that because of the LGBTQ push on the clothing and all that, it did drop Target in a lot of sales fiscally so that actually did happen there were a lot of people that boycotted target so that's a reason why a lot of that money was lost it wasn't because of the the actual stealing goes it's funny they slid it in in like one line and i'm like yeah because i know a lot of people that, tar that 
that weren't going to shop at Target. They're like, nope, I'm done because I'm walking in and I'm seeing like small children's wear with like rainbows on it and stuff. No, nah, I'm not doing it. So that is what they're also trying to cover up, I think, by saying, oh, it's all these robberies. Like, no, people just aren't buying your product anymore because they don't like what and they would have got away with like the rainbow. So this is what I don't get about corporations. Like you already know how the public is and you can tell what the public thinks about something pretty quick. The rainbow stuff, people would accept that for a while. But when you're like, hey, let's get some uh, some swim trunks that tuck your junk back. Like what? For a fucking kid? Like that's where you're like, we're going to go. Cra- everybody's going to go crazy. Yeah, it's the goalpost exactly. narrative. They want to push as hard as they can and then reel it back in. But here's the thing, though. They already moved up a few steps that they were behind. So every time they do that, they're actually getting ahead. And when you've got companies like BlackRock and Vanguard that are dumping money on the back end to you, they're paying you to do that. It's like everybody was like, we're going to stop Coke. Like, no, you're not. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. We're not gonna, like, dude, they were selling Coke. That's what people don't realize, too, is like these corporations sell to everybody. Man, there is... Cokes with swastikas on them, so you can go probably yeah. buy one online somewhere. Well, and it's like with with Bud Light too. Everybody started getting up in airs about Bud Light, and they they lost. We did it to them. They lost seven billion this month. I'm no, like, the yeah, best but- was where they're like, yeah, now the new favorite beer's Modelo, and you're like, owned by Anheuser Busch. Right, that is classic, man. And you look at a lot of people are going to Coors Light. I was seeing online. I'm like, they're the same. It's all in the same sphere. They're all owned by the same companies. They've all got it's like Vanguard three companies. Black. there's probably like six companies that own everything right (laughs) it's it's funny and i get it listen if you want to for personal reasons not do something i i'm all for that but don't think that it's hurting this company now if if you're looking at companies like disney and all that they're kind of hurting right now because they've Put, put, not only have they been pushing a narrative, they've been pushing out a bad product. Now, when a company starts pushing out a bad product on top of it, then it starts hurting them fiscally, and then they got to bring in new people. Again, I get it. You can do things for personal reasons. When I, when I decide not to use a product, it's because I don't want to support that. It's not because I think it's necessarily inherently me gonna hurt them as a whole. I don't really think yeah. that at all. Facts. <laughs> I do that shit at like restaurants, right? Like. If you, if I really have, I try to give a few chances because, you know, things happen. I try to be like understanding. But if something happens, right, there's a couple times I've been to restaurants where I'm like, people are like, you're not going to complain. I said, I'm not going to complain about anything. I am just never going to go back to that establishment ever again. And they're like, oh, well, they won't care. Those, okay, I don't care. But I'll also, I'm going to tell everybody, like, and they're not going to lose tons of money, but I'm going to, everybody I know is going to know I had a bad experience there. And they better have a great product, like you said, because if they do, yeah, people are going to still go. But if you have a shitty product, the word gets around. Because if I feel that way, I'm sure somebody else had experience like that. And that's how you get it. Like, I, I don't, I know people like to, I don't personally, like, unless it's really like something that like, if, if I'm like, hey, man, you're not giving my money. Like, if it's just like bad, rude service, I'm just like, all right, man. I, there's no need for me to argue with this server and like get into a fight. I'm just like, I'm never coming to the establishment just because I don't even want to risk getting that server. But I, I think that people ha- do kind of like, yeah, we're doing it. Gosh, we got him. <laughs> <laughs> and another thing they kind of get up on, and I think that they're trying to all do another okie doke on us is with a little. Good old bugs. Bugs are back. They're back. 
Back again. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, it's funny because I ran across this again. And every time I think that the bug thing's ending and it's going to move into more of the fake meat, which I, I do think ultimately that's the that's the case, right? I think that's what it's going to move towards. But there is this push for bugs still. And Clayton Morris from Redacted, which I, I like their stuff a lot. He does break down some really good, it has some good takes on uh, a lot of the geopolitical realm. He has for a long time, as a matter of fact. So I was listening to him the other day, and this is the clip that I got of what they say about bugs. And this was a little bit deeper take, a deeper cut about what they're trying to replace with bugs. Don't look now, but your meat is going to be much harder to come by in the coming months. The WEF plan to eliminate beef production, remove farmers, is coming to fruition, replacing wheat with bugs. So your flour that you're used to and your cooking ingredients may end up having bugs in it. All-purpose bugs. All-purpose bugs. Uh, because, as the World Economic Forum says, they're more sustainable. Bugs more sustainable to put that as flour rather than trying to get wheat, Right. Let's use that. Uh, before you say that this is just a conspiracy theory, uh, just visit the WEF's website. Do a cursory search. You don't even have to dive deep like we do. You can just do like surface stuff and do a search for bugs if you like. You'll see tons of articles about the benefits of getting rid of meat and eating bugs like this one. Burgers, bugs, and the shift to a new way of eating. To learn how to do it, this is an article from 2019. And there's more recently. So Klaus Schwab and his merry band of globalists have been laying the groundwork for eliminating meat for over a decade now. And the plan is now coming together. See, they lay the groundwork. They infiltrate all of these cabinets around the world. They put their young World Economic Forum leaders like Justin Trudeau in place. And then they tell them what to do. That is facts, but I'm with you. I think there's a combo thing, right? I think the bugs. So what you do is you go, hey, we need to stop eating meat. The planet's dying. Uh, only way to save the planet is by people stop eating meat. Hey, we can make bugs. They're living creatures. And so they give us that option. And then like, they keep pushing that, kill some of these small farms, you know, Hey, we got bug farm. Look, don't worry, man. Farmer's not going to raise cows. You raise crickets, man. It'd be good. You know what I'm saying? He's going to raise crickets. <laughs> like a cricket farm, man. It'll be, it'll be, it'll be loving life, man. And then they're going to be like, well, people want meat. So, what we did was instead of having a cow because they lose so much carbonation, we're going to use a factory that doesn't use any car carbon at all. And we're just going to make the meat for you. And then you know what? We're saving the earth, but you get your fancy meat. Yeah, completely agree with that. I I'm with you. Even still, I believe that the push is for the fake meat, but I also find it funny how the goalposts are constantly moved about when they want to make this happen in fruition. So I was just on the WEF site, and this was from 2021. But again, uh, just like Clayton was saying, they, there's so many articles, even within the past few months, that they update all the time that they're adding at the WEF. Uh, you can dig around and find if you just got tons of them. But one of the ones that I saw in 2021 was by 2050. The world's food supply will need to feed another two billion. So they're talking about how that 
it's 2050 now. Well, it was a 2030, then it's 2045. Then it's, they just keep moving it because really their numbers are super inflated and they're just trying to scare people into these tactics. And I think eventually they'll get there, but it's going to need to be somebody that's going to be able to unify all these cartels. And I completely agree with you when it comes to how these governments are run. You've got cartels within cartels. You've got people that are infighting. I think it's going to take that person, and I think most people that listen to this show by now who knows who we think that person is going to be eventually, but that Antichrist, when he comes, he's going to be non-polarizing. He's going to be loved by everybody to the point that even these cartels will be willing to listen to whatever this person has to say. And at that point, I think you're going to see the full globalization trickle-down effect. Until that happens, though, you're going to have factions that are on the side of good that push back against this stuff. So that's why these goalposts, these numbers keep moving. And everybody's worried about 2030. I'm like, yeah, they're talking 2052. They're talking 2065. It keeps moving. I don't think that there's a set number. I think they'll know when they get there. But this is part of moving that agenda. Now, here's the crazy thing. The concept of insect farming isn't new. This has been happening forever, Sean. I mean... Currently, right now, there's 1 to 1.2 trillion insects raised on farms annually for food and animal feed. So you got to think animals eat these insects as well. So when they're feeding animals that could be food for you, too, they're feeding them these insects. So this has been happening for a long time. There are massive companies like Winsect, starts said with a Y, with more than 300 technological patents and completely unique AI driven agricultural processes in building the first fully automated vertical insect farm in the world. It's going to be able to produce 100,000 tons of insects and products a year. This has been happening. This isn't new. I think everybody, again, I think the bug thing is just like Blue Beam. It's, it's just like Flat Earth. It's just like any of these major buzzwords that get thrown off in the conspiratorial community. Everybody sees it and gets super angry when this has been happening for a long time, culturally, forever, hundreds of years. And think about when you talk about blue beam and bugs and other hot button topics. Now, they're also used not to just confuse the critical thinking crowds and the people that question things. Remember, there's a lot of people that are not happy with government right now. So when they get to hear some of this stuff, like it's it's they hear some of the things going on and they only get to hear like the bug thing or this thing and they think oh it's all over we're gonna eat bugs you know what i'm saying the the morale so we got to just pick and choose and like be like yeah we do we acknowledge that they are pushing the whole bug thing totally acknowledge that we get it like that's happening but at the same time, look at what is happening underneath the surface. Like, how come we're not hearing as much? We're hearing here and there, you know, the first fake chicken and the first, like, you know, meat patty here and there. And those are, where are those going? To the top end restaurants. Why? Because that's marketing, baby. That's when you go, hey, all these rich people love this fake meat. You don't want none? Well, they're eating it. I want to eat it. All they need is that shot of Tom Cruise cutting open a fake steak, taking that bite and looking over at whoever's across the table from him and be like, tastes just like the real thing. That's all you need. You need people like that, which they will. These, these bought and paid for celebrities and athletes, they'll do it. They'll push the narrative of eating 
this fake stuff. Because if you make it a, oh, if I'm eating this, that makes my status level go up. And people are obsessed with status levels. Look at all the people that went and got blue check marks as soon as Twitter and Instagram, all them offered it for you to buy. A lot of people went and grabbed them immediately because it made them feel like their status level was higher. And I know some people that went and got it because of other reasons. And I'm not saying if you got a blue check mark that you're just some awful person. I'm just saying that in this well, era of no, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> in this era of social media, that's great. Booyah, dog. The end the, you deserve a booyah, dog. On that one. <laughs> got it. <laughs> but no, seriously, I think that in this era of social media and status and what people want you to be viewed as or what they want other people to view them as that this will be a piece of that this will be the next one and it won't surprise me too if they try to do it with bugs as well if they they already have matter of fact with certain celebrities eating bugs and showing you how they eat them but i think that's just the first phase i don't think bugs are the real worry because bugs aren't bad for you they're not not unless they're injecting the bugs with something you don't know about if it's just bugs they're not bad and that it's sounds protein. a lot harder to do that sounds way harder to do man to inject the bug than like a cow yeah i'm with you like i'm not saying I, i'm just saying if i have to no other choice say it's some weird scenario at some point in time i'm 80 years old seven years old and they're like hey man there's no cows left no any kind of meat you either have to eat these cricket patties or this fake meat patty i'm gonna take the cricket patty Bro, like you have to at that point right now. I'm eating cricket, cricket <laughs> patties right now. Hey, if people don't know that just start listening to the show, I eat bucks. So I've got a big, uh, touted as the biggest grocery store in the world here in Cincinnati. It's called Jungle Gyms, and they have a whole bug section. They have, uh, which is fantastic, by the way, they have uh, salt and vinegar crickets which are amazing. It just tastes like salt and vinegar, like chips and stuff, man. It's it. They're all, it, it's just bugs and you can get big giant, like cockroaches or whatever. Yeah, it's not going to give you cancer, them. bro. No, you eat no, that yeah. meat. That's going to give you cancer cells. Yes. And they're taking them from weird cells. Like I'm with you, man. I, I mean, I'm not a huge fan of bugs. Like I, I haven't eaten them, but I'm sure that I'll be all right, man. I'd rather eat the bugs than fake me out any day of the week. If you say you wouldn't, I don't know what's wrong with you. They train special ops military guys in the woods to eat grub and eat bugs. If you're out in the middle of nowhere and you can't get meat or whatever else, man, it's a high, it's a high level of protein in these critters it just is so at the end of the day that's not what you should be scared about i know here's what i i'll say them forcing you to do it yes you should not adhere to that whatever they're telling you to do it's the same thing with the jab i wouldn't have had a problem with the jab if they were making it optional for people kind of like they did with the flu vaccine and it's not even really a vaccine but what they call the flu vaccine i would have had an issue with that say hey listen this is what we're putting out there this is the studies we've done. Maybe it's good for you. Maybe not talk to your doctor and see, but we have these other things like ivermectin and all that, that maybe you should try first before you get on this product. That would have made sense. That would have been, Hey, we're rushing this out there. Listen, we haven't done all the research on this. We're going to tell you that up front. If you want to roll the dice with it, cool. Maybe it works for you. Fine. That wasn't what they did, though. They forced it on you. It's the same thing with the bugs. If they're giving it to you as an option, which it is an option now, it's your option. It's fine. Like You don't like them? Don't do it. But if they're telling you to do it, that's when you should have an issue with it. Not the, not the 
oh, the WFs, they're going to do it to us. They're doing it to us. Like, no, they're not. Not yet. And they're already talking like 2050 now. They started with 2030. Like, I'm tired of hearing about these agendas. It's coming. Agenda 30. Agenda 30. Agenda 25. Agenda. Ah! It's <laughs> the, the, the thing is, it's it's phases, man. It's not right. like it's always they, they when they got to 2021, they accomplished what they wanted to accomplish. Like, and not everything, but you know what I'm saying? They were like, they had these like, Hey, and by 2021, we want to have these 50 things done. Well, we got 30 of them or we got 20 of them. All right, let's go to the next one. We'll add roll some of the stuff. They're going to always have the agenda. It's not like we got to, st- it's not a movie, man, where we're like, man, we got to be there October 17th. <laughs> we're going to kick in the door last minute before they sign that blood contract. I'm going to blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah, dog. Yeah, no, I'm serious. I'm with you. That's what I think, too. I think it's one big movie. It's just in parts. And that's oh, man, all that it great. is. Now you're on the cube. Now he's on the cue boards, fellas. Uh, he's <laughs> kicking up with his popcorn. <laughs> but you were talking about scared, like they're trying to scare us with. Blue beam. It's blue beam. No, it's that's the first thing I thought when I saw this pop up and I was, you know, we should definitely talk about aliens cause aliens are big time in the media right now. More so than and ever. We really and haven't. We're- Honestly, isn't that weird that we have not spoke to you did the ginger snap cup. Not really though. We haven't really talked about yeah. it. Yeah. I just think that we, it just kind of intertwines itself with everything we talk about and it's not like we really pinpoint it. We have our mm-hmm. own, thoughts about what we think these aliens are and i just don't adhere to what the mainstreams tell us they are but i do think a lot of these sightings and everything happened uh, for sure and one of these major media presentations that's coming out is there's a netflix documentary series called encounters and it's made by steven spielberg's production company so i thought that was interesting that steven spielberg himself who from all accounts is a pretty high ranking Freemason. He and George Lucas, and they've got a lot of occultic and biblical undertones to a lot of what they put out with star Wars and Indiana Jones and uh, everything else they've done. But I thought it was interesting. He was putting this out there and he does this entire documentary series on different happenings throughout history. And one of the big ones was a 1977, uh, sighting done in Pembrokeshire in the what they call the Bermuda Triangle in Broadhaven, which this is over in Welsh country in the UK. So apparently in this Welsh village, like 450 reported extraterrestrial encounters have happened there in this over this long period of time, not just in 1977. But one of the weird ones was there were 16 school children that claimed a witness a UFO in 1977. Now, they said that it was cigar-shaped with a dome on it with yellow, orange to red lights on the top of it, and they ran and told their teacher. Well, of course, (laughs) the teacher, when they're inside and these 10-year-olds are running up to you telling you this or whatever, you know, and the teacher goes out there and sees it. It actually comes out into its view behind some trees and said it was 45 feet long and it was silver and cigar shaped. So it's one of the cigar shaped ones wait, that wait. we've cigar shaped. C- cigar shaped, right? Yeah. You know what that reminds me of? That reminds me of I did not have sexual relations with that woman. 
(laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so it was a cigar-shaped one that pops out out behind these trees, and the teacher sees it. And like, whoa, this is legit. So obviously it goes around the entire Welsh village, and people are talking about it. Um, But it kind of dies down, and over a period of time, there were more and more and more. Like I said, it was, what, 455 I believe, 450 that were reported from that time period. Now, here's what's weird, though, Sean. So you remember that we had that episode about uh, the Click Attack 8 cat out in the West Coast out in Washington. And do you remember when it was said that on top of one of the mountains that UFOs will come drop down and there were feline-like aliens that were coming out. It looked like cats, bipedal cats that were coming out. I looked at some of the pictures that the kids drew right after that event, and they look like that. They have cat ears, and this is something that's not talked about in the documentaries or in the articles at all. But when I looked at the pictures, they have cat ears, and they're tall, and they and they even said these aliens that they saw in this village over time, these were tall aliens in the seven-foot range. So I'm wondering, are these actual extraterrestrials or fallen angels or meat sacks, or are they hybrids of what they're actually testing behind the scenes in these government labs in conjunction with fallen angels? Maybe that's what's happening with some of the stuff we see similar to what happened out in Las Vegas, where these these scared looking nine foot, seven foot aliens came out and then ran back in their ship. I'm almost kind of wondering if, if these were of the same type of thing, some sort of hybridization of maybe a feline and some sort of Nephilim or uh, meat sack that they've hybridized for entities to take over or just something new that they created behind the scenes to drive these vehicles. I just thought that was interesting. It's something they didn't talk about at all, but since we had that episode and it was said that there were feline-like aliens that came out of these ships, they look just like that. And I'm going to have to send it to you when we get off air, but it's crazy looking, man. It reminds me of, now that you just said that, Like, and I didn't think of that last time, but now, you know that, um, I don't know which Dragon Ball Z it is, but there's a time when like Goku's like, in space with Vegeta and there's like this cat god I think he's like Barras or something like that he's like this like ultimate god fighter kind of reminds me of that don't you think that would look something yeah, like that absolutely and I think uh, most Wonder of where they got shows, the inspiration from they derive it from inspiration of cat gods or fallen angels I like to call them of times of the past so not saying what that particular entity is by any stretch. It could be a myriad of different things, but it does look like a cat, a bipedal tall cat. And those have been cited in Washington as well. So that was, that was very weird when I was looking at this, but ultimately this is the soft disclosure. This is the push for aliens to continue to be pushed into the mainstream media psyche for people to accept the fact that we're not alone, that these things are inevitably coming. They've been here for a long time over the centuries, which, by the way, they have, just not in the way that they're selling it. And to have Spielberg as the, the main guy, like, pushing it, like, direct. I'm just saying, being a part of it with E.T., with, um, well, I forgot the other one that was more recent, but 
he's been a big pusher of movies that give us some soft disclosure, soft disclosure. And I remember, I, I'm sure you remember this movie, Fire in the Sky, uh, from 1993. And, and it's just, just it. That's from based on a true story, and it's like we go through these cycles. It's like we talk about aliens like crazy, like you know, and then it just kind of goes away, right? Because I remember growing up as a kid, and and Bigfoot was like, like oh, I'm talking about mainstream. I know that like Bigfoot and aliens, you see a little bit on History Channel, but I'm talking about you were watching Fox, you were watching like you know uh, ABC, CBS, and there would be different little documentaries or a movie that's pushing this narrative, and then it went away. Right. And then it's like you didn't really see about it. You had to like search for it, try to understand it. Then it's like it comes back every 20, 30, whatever. I don't know the exact cycle time, but I'm noticing that it's coming in these waves and cycles. And now things change. And then now it's coming with like, oh, it is real. It's always been real. And I'm with you. It's like, yeah, it's been real, but it's not it's still not what they say. I think it's real to the point that there is something. We just don't know exactly what that is. And that's where people have to be careful because that has people looking for something that is not going to be there like as fake, right? Like, Oh, <laughs> it's just going to be this. It's just an image, not knowing that you, whether it is a fallen angel or whether it is a real alien, whatever that may be, or whether it is blue being being used to disguise. Like we talked about before an F 15 or something, you disguise the F 15 as some alien jet. And then you're thinking it's a projection. <laughs> you get, get real rude awakening right there, man. But don't worry. I think we're going to finally get down to the nitty gritty of finding what's an alien and who's going to figure this all out. Scientists hail pioneer software and hunt for alien life form. Yeah, man. AI software that's going to be able to differentiate what alien life is and what it's not. So it's starting with these Mars rovers and they're sending these samples back and AI is deciphering what is life and what isn't life. And they're saying the preliminary test, the program was 90% accurate at telling the difference between samples taken from living organisms, such as shells, teeth, and bones and non-biological samples, such as laboratory chemicals and those found in carbon rich meteorites. So the AI smart. Apparently, the AI is that smart that it's going to tell us what's real and what's not. Now, here's the problem. I'm not saying that every testing that's going on behind the scenes with scientists is correct or false or not, right? They can spin whatever narrative they want to us. That's the issue I have with it. I'm not sold on AI being some sort of entity that's going to take us out in the sense of what they might be trying to sell it at least the right-wing media wants to sell it as but i do think that in conjunction with some entities some actual entities behind the scenes maybe that's the case with ai but this right here just seems like it's something they're telling us hey this ai is able to do this what does that mean if it's an ai doing it it can totally be wrong we've seen where all these chatbots have made major errors in being able to decipher what people are even asking them, Sean. So how can we say emphatically that this AI is going to let you know what is real and what's not real when it comes to biological life? They're already saying there's a 10% chance of error. So how do you know if it's that 10% chance or not? You don't. And how, well, who's to say that the percentage isn't bigger 
than that too. Or here's one for you. The AI doesn't even exist. They're just telling us it does. And then whatever they spew out to us that this AI said is, is facts. There's so many different variables to this man. And it's just, it's nothing I'm buying into. I'm going to tell you that it's nothing I'm going to buy into at all. I don't, I don't like it. And by the way, I was looking at the pictures of NASA's Curiosity rover that was on Mars. I'm like, bro, these 4K pictures are just... It's in Australia! It's not on the Mars! It's in Australia! And I'm not saying they don't have pictures from Mars. They are not giving you that. They are not showing you that. That's not happening. Whether you believe Mars is past the ice wall or it's in the sky, they ain't showing you what it is. That is not it. And you know, it isn't funny too. They always show you like just a tread, like a tread mark where it's just like, here, it's a picture of it moving six feet. Where's the rest of it? Where's the rest of Mars? Can we see the rest of it? <laughs> also, like, how is there, like, you know, they got some stable cameras, man. And I know space isn't all crazy, but there's wind and stuff. Like, you know how hard it is to, like, keep a stable picture? Like, man, that's, like, one of the hardest <sighs> things to do. Dude, but it's I, wild. I know, you, I know you're going on the AI, man, but I'm just saying you need to. You will obey. They, they got it under control, man. They're not only going to find the aliens, they're also going to help us out and find all the tax cheats. The IRS has used its billions in new congressional funding in an interesting way. Uh, they have a battery of new AI tools, and they are launching a new crackdown on the wealthiest uh, tax invader, invaders. Robert Frank is here to discuss those details. Yeah, Robert. so the new IRS commissioner, his goal here was first, let's use all this money to help the service part of our business, help people who you know want help uh, paying their taxes, understanding what they need to do. Now we're at phase two, which is go after the wealthy tax cheats. And what they're doing is putting a lot of that money, number one, to enforcers. They're going to hire tens of thousands of auditors and enforcers. But number two is develop AI machine learning to figure out what patterns they can find in tax returns, especially for these large partnerships that can help them identify where people are hiding their income. And that, that's where an agency not known for its technological prowess is going to really make a step change. And I think this is a part where AI really can do some good because AI is great at these massive data questions and huge computing power and applying that to finding the areas where humans didn't really see the patterns before, but AI can. We just had a little Chiron up there that said it was going to target 1,500 millionaires with tax, I think it was tax debt of 250. That's right. So dollars. one of the parts of this is they're, they're going after 1,600 people who have a million or more in, in income who have recognized tax debt. In other words, we know. Known. Known. Known and acknowledged by the taxpayer that they owe at least $250,000. $250,000, excuse me. $250,000, and this could raise hundreds of millions of dollars if they return all that. You, know, you and I would say, how can they get away with this already? The IRS just didn't have the staff to go after them legally and get this money back. The year is 2175. IRS agent Robo75672 is on the hunt for you. Pay your taxes, motherfucker. Bat, brat. Because <laughs> it'll also be strapped. <laughs> it's, it's definitely some Skynet stuff that they're spinning. But I will say this, man, looking into this whole IRS being using AI for tax cheats. I was reading this article by CNBC 
And I thought it was interesting how they're trying to spin it as a good thing. Because at first they start out with the article, they say, you thought AI was only being used to eliminate the jobs of the working class? Sounds like maybe it's going to be used against the wealthy for a change. And I'm like, <laughs> okay. So we now- got them. <laughs> got them. And so they break it down about how they're going to do it. And they said, if you're worried about tech being aimed at the pores, the release says the groundbreaking collaboration among experts in data science and tax enforcement will focus primarily on taxpayers with an annual income of one million and more than two hundred fifty thousand in tax debt, in addition to large corporate bodies. So, really, what they're feeding into right here is the whole "eat the rich" mentality. That that section of the left who think they fight the system, who think that they're against the system, against the oligarchy, against the patriarchy all the archies that you can add behind it that's who they're targeting and they're saying look we're using the ai to take down those rich elites we're see what we're doing we're doing it to help people but the problem is once you've implemented this ai technology into the irs that can be used against anyone it's not just going to be for the rich and i'm telling you that right now this is not to target the rich not unless some of the rich go off the rails and they don't want to have anything to do with what the purported agenda is telling them to do this has nothing to do with the rich man it's not going to hurt them it never was there to hurt them this is there to hurt us this is there to say oh well you didn't file this one thing this hundred dollars that you didn't claim well now we're going to hit you up because hey guess what the ai just saw what you were posting on facebook two weeks ago or six months ago in that tax year so now you're getting hit up by all of these social restrictions that they want to add in with this EGI. And I think this is a part of EGI and what they want to push with that too. Big boom. No, I totally agree with you, man. The AI, it's that scare again too, right? It's the other boogeyman, like where they're like, hey, your job's gone. But don't worry, we're going to get the money for you for that. Oh, what is that? Uh, the... Man, what was that Andrew Yang thing that he was the catalyst of? Like, he was just the face to put it out there. The universal uh, uh, universal income, right? We're right. like, hey, we'll just UBI. tax all these wealthy people. Yeah, UBI. We'll, we'll tax everybody, bro. And uh, you'll be living fine, bro. You're going to have, we're going to get you a little corner, a little corner over here in the apartment complex, you know, got right. your little uh, uh, Oculus on your head. <laughs> I, love, I, I mean, it's a sad meme, but like that is, I could see some people and I think that's going to be your choice. I think there's going to become a time where you can opt in and you're going to have the Oculus with the little fire, you know, in the corner of the room, starving and hoping that you can get real water when you're just drinking synthetic bull crap the whole time. Or you're going to have to say, all right, we're going to have to figure out with a bunch of us and it's going to be Weird, because when we're trying to figure it out, I'm saying at an extreme level, but yeah, AI, other than that, I don't think AI is really doing too much to us. But the other boogeyman, right? Don't worry, because we're all having climate anxiety. We've talked about that before. We're all worried. <laughs> There's all these migrants coming over, these spiders. Someone just told me recently, they were like, do you know that now Michigan has these spiders from Australia. I was like, oh my God, did they take first class or economy? Like how they get there, man? Like how, they, like, you know what I'm saying? I can't even bring like a piece of fruit from like California to Vegas, but let these spiders have traveled all the way from Australia 
into America, into Michigan specifically, and they're like just attacking us. But BetterHelp is here, man. I don't know if you guys know what BetterHelp. This is not a, a plug for BetterHelp, but BetterHelp is here for your climate anxiety. According to the latest IPCC report, we are past the point of no return for 1.5 degrees Celsius and we'll need to make rapid, fundamental changes to our society this decade to stop it going any further than that. This will be hard. There's no way we as a species will be able to achieve this hard path unless we can agree on the facts that underpin it, though. Without the broader context of agreed-upon data, it will forever be perfectly possible to arrive at a wide range of conclusions and different paths we should take. That is why, when it comes to any discussion, context is so important. By looking at the pattern of our planet's history, we see that the current uptick in global temperatures is an induced event that doesn't match already existing patterns, and it perfectly coincides with human activity. Debate what you want to do with that information and the best path to take in light of it. But these are the facts, set in ice and the bones of organisms long dead. They will brook no argument. Dealing with all the crises that the world seems to throw at you daily can get a little overwhelming. Sometimes it's important to take care of yourself. That's why today's video is in paid partnership with BetterHelp. Mental health is a cause that is deeply important to me. And I've seen that when someone is struggling, it can be hard to seek help sometimes. <laughs> Man, it kind of <laughs> reminded me. Remember that uh, uh, old program, Norton, where there was antivirus? But oh, it's my God, like, yes. But then it's like you, when you stop paying it for you got it for everybody, tried it for a month. And like, ah, man, I ain't trying to pay fifty nine ninety nine or whatever the, the price was. And you didn't get it. And then you were like, man, it's kind of weird. Now I have all these viruses. It's like they're selling you the pain. And they're like, hey, but we got to. Here's the issue, but here's the problem, but we're going to fix it for you. Go to BetterHelp. I, you're the reason why the climate is crappy. You're the reason why we're all like have to sacrifice to not eat meat. It's human beings, you piece of shit. But I know that makes you feel bad and anxiety. So they filled you full of anxiety and then they're like, hey, go to BetterHelp. <laughs> yeah, I actually went by BetterHelp.com and was reading some of their climate change anxiety articles. And, you know, of course, they're pushing NASA and how Na how NASA's been telling them that they have the it's been the hottest on record the last nine years. I'm like, well, actually, during the 90s, it was hotter, by the way. So but they even talk about the symptoms. There's symptoms to climate change anxiety you got nervousness worry irritability sleeplessness i think everybody has those issues they got anything to do with climate man and then you got obsessive thoughts about impending catastrophe i think that's because the government hasn't been doing much of anything globally like people have these issues anyway it's there's nothing but if to the do tv with the doesn't constantly tell you that you're gonna die like like that's pretty right. <laughs> that fills right. you with a lot of anxiety if you're like every npr pbs uh fill in the letters of the the these mockingbird media agents and they're like well we're just gonna die guys like yeah that's why people are filled with anxiety because they watch television and it, and it's killing them because they can't see through the bullshit yeah, absolutely, man. I, I'm completely on with that. And again, if people want to lose some brain cells or at least see like we do what the other side's saying, just go to betterhelp.com and type in climate change anxiety and you'll get your mind blown about all these mental health issues that are stemming from our 
awful climate that we've created. Not the elites, though. They're doing everything they can to help us with their, you know, jets, their jet admissions as they fly across the world. But it's us in our little cars that are causing all the issues and our cows farting all over the place. Yeah, that's uh, what's really killing the whole earth. I was thinking, man, like, because I have a couple more things on the board, but, you know, we we like to wrap these up. I got a nice way, I think, to end this. This was something that happened a couple weeks ago. I mean, I did have some clips of, like, Canada, and, you know, they're banning books. They're banning real books, like Kill the Mockingbird. Hmm. To Kill the Mockingbird. Sorry, I even missed it. <laughs> but, and, you know, the, the books the Diary that, like... Diary of Anne Frank. Yep, is Diary of Anne Frank is another Anything. big one. Anything... Anything before 2008 in Ontario, they are banning right now. Now, this is coming out from the people who work in these libraries. They're saying that they're being told not specific books, but any book before 2008. This is just another calling. This is just another reset. This has been happening, guys, since the days of Plato, when book burnings and Documents have been taken away from people so they, they can have two different idea points to look at so they can create their own idea of what's happening around them. This has happened forever. So I encourage people to look into that. I agree with you. That's a It's a great topic that this is actually happening in Ontario. This has come down from the government of Ontario. Any book before 2008 in school library systems are being banned. And a real banned. Like as far as these are books that contributed to society there, they, they give, they shed a little light on history. Now, is every aspect of it true? Probably not. Right. There's probably some things exaggerated, but that's just how books are. But it gives you a peek into the time and that's part of them trying to erase uh, some of the history. And that's probably how we've gotten to these points of where people believe that everything's fake is because it is, they do have the capability of rechanging narratives and rewriting history. I just thought this was very ironic, right? In our Senate, you know what I mean? They're talking about banning books. And I will give everybody a trigger warning. Uh, get get a little, like, if you got little ones. I mean, I know we cuss anyway, so you should know. But, like, this is pretty graphic, man. Even for me, man. And I have a, I don't have the best mouth, you know what I mean? I talk crap, but usually I'm trying to aware. I'm very conscious of if there's kids and stuff around, if I'm out in public. But I, I get it. So Senator Kennedy is like kind of quoting from these books. They're they're talking about books that are being banned here, which they're trying to compare over here in America to to kill the mockingbirds and Anne Frank and and Animal Farm types th- things of that nature, right? But these books are these LGBTQ books, and the reason I think it's important for people to hear this, even though it's a negative of what they're saying. And I do not agree with any of it is because I never knew I've heard people say, and I haven't heard too many, but I've heard little bits and pieces throughout the last four or five years of like parents, like reading some of the stuff. This book is horrible, man. <laughs> like <laughs> what they're talking about, this should, uh, the whole banning, I get, they're trying to use the word banning, but this should not be taught to children. Well, here's Kennedy, <laughs> here's Senator Kennedy uh, reading the book. I want to try to understand what you're asking us to do. Let's take two books that have been much discussed. Um, The first one is called All Boys Aren't Blue. And I will quote from it. 
I put some lube on and got him on his knees. And I began to slide into him from behind. I pulled out of him and kissed him while he masturbated. He asked me to turn over while he slipped a condom on himself. This was my ass, and I was struggling to imagine someone inside me. He got on top and slowly inserted himself into me. It was the worst pain I think I have ever felt in my life. Eventually, I felt a mix of pleasure with the pain. Okay. There is another clip of the quotes. I'm not going to play that one. <laughs> that one was enough for me, bro. Like, I was like, damn, I heard this. This is like the third time I heard it. And I was like, oh, man, I just, it gets worse every time. Because it's like, remember, this is not some adult book. That's what it sounds like to me. It's some romance novel for the, you know, someone that's gay or lesbian or whatever. Fine. Do whatever you got to do. This is f- for children, like kindergartners, uh, first graders, second graders. It's awful. And I've seen him read it. So it was popping up in my feed, different places. I think it was on YouTube, too. I, I've been re- I've been seeing it everywhere. I just get disgusted every time, Sean. It's it's not even something to even joke about. Like, it's one of those things where I can't even spin off a joke on this because it's so bad. And it's for children. Again, this would be different if this was a book for adults. Not that I'm saying that this is great anyway. I'm just saying that it is for children and it is made for children. By the way, with pictures, all of these books have illustrations along with it for children. So my question is, what are you grooming them for? You're definitely telling them that this is okay. And I've noticed a lot of these books towards the back of them, they'll have these massive indexes. No child's reading that. So this is a play-by-play book for an adult to be able to groom a child into letting them know, hey, this is okay behavior for me to do to you or you to do to me. This is what they're moving towards is this type of ideology because they're in and here's the best part in some of these books Sean they don't even use the word parent they just say consent they say with a adult figure they don't even use the word parent so they take parent out of the lexicon so now it becomes oh this adult who cares for me I can do this with them because it's okay because this book's telling me it's okay it, dude, it's awful, man. I've never seen anything like it. It reminds me of we talked. I might have been a month ago or even longer now. But remember, we had that those clips with that lady that was speaking about the WHO and how they're pushing this, uh, you know, like pleasure that children can feel pleasure. And and you heard it right there in the book. That's one of the reasons why I wanted that clip to be played in particular because they mentioned this pleasure that. There's a right for pleasure for children. And that is what they're trying to do. They're trying to weasel their way in to use this, some terminology of freedom, like making that, that like something's being, no, man, that is bullshit. 100%. I don't care what anybody says that book. I don't know about banning, just burn it, bro. Like there's no reason. What is the idea of that? There, there's no book of where it's like, Hey, Timmy went with uh, uh, Jesse and they went behind that. And he's a girl and he played with her. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like he played with, like, you're, you're not hearing that this, I would feel the same way. That's the thing that I hate about it is that they try to make it seem as if we're getting it wrong and we're bigots because this is how, you know, the community responds. Well, here's the Illinois secretary of state. 
I'm not even going to attempt to uh, pronounce his name because I will mess that up. I'm just going to call him Alexis Garoppolo. <laughs> Mr. Secretary, what are you asking us to do? Are you suggesting that only librarians should decide whether the two books that I just referenced should be available to kids? Is that what you're saying? No. Okay. Tell me what you're saying. Well, first of all, there's this. Don't give me a speech. Tell me what you're asking will, me to do. With all due respect, Senator, and the words you spoke are disturbing, especially coming out of your mouth is very disturbing. But I would, I would also tell you. I'm going to pause for one second because if you heard how he goes, those words were disturbing, especially coming from <laughs> like to, to me, these laughs are like these little tells that they have. Right. He's like, this is coming from your mouth. Why from his mouth? Because they consider him a bigot. Right. He's a bigot. He shouldn't have. But I just thought that was like weird that he said these words are bad, but especially coming from your mouth. That we're not advocating for kids to read porn to Senator Booker. What point. are you advocating for? We are advocating for parents random parents not to have the ability under the guise of keeping kids safe to try and challenge the world view of every single manner on these issues. You're getting conceptual game. I'm what not are, getting conceptual. Well, I'm yes, saying that you are. Yes, you are. Because you, you, I want to know what you're recommending. It sounds to me like what some of you are saying the librarians should decide who gets to see that book? I'm saying when you're making, when individual parents are allowed to make a decision of what, where that line is and to kill a mockingbird, which involves a rape scene, should that book be pulled from our libraries? I think it becomes a slippery well, slope. I think you ought to think about it a little bit more before you come here. I've thought about If Senator you're going to propose something, you ought to be able in 30 seconds to be able to explain what Senator. you're asking us to do. And you see how we were talking about they're banning to kill the mockingbirds for real in Canada. And he tried to say, hey, look at the rape scene. That's a totally different thing. And plus, the context of when you're reading the book kill the Mocking to Kill the Mockingbirds, you're in high school, right? Earliest, maybe like, you know, junior high, something at that level. Your brain is different. When you're talking about kindergartners and first grade, elementary school students, that's a whole different concept. In high school and sometimes early, you know, about seventh, eighth grade, you might be introduced to sex ed. Not in kindergarten, not in first grade, because your mind is not able to grasp these thoughts. Yeah, and I saw some of these illustrations of these books, man. It's awful. Like, starting out, it'll just be a bunch of naked two-year-olds, and then the next few pages, they'll show, like, a girl putting her hand down her panties, and she's two years old. Little illustrations about how, like, oh, you can feel pleasure at two years old, and it's crazy. How is that even the same as an adult book called To Kill the Mockingbird? It's not in the same sphere because there are plenty of books that are written fictionally or nonfiction for purposes for adults to read about things that have happened. Or even if it's just fictional, it's it's talking about a graphic situation. I don't think anything's wrong with that. That's context, right? It's not the same thing. Oh, we're going to pull this because it's got a rape scene. Like, no, like you're pulling it because it tells about a specific period of time that you don't want people to know about anymore but this other thing you want to be the new period of time you want to have adults walking down the street with five-year-olds that they consider uh their partner 
And eventually, that's what they're going to try to move towards. I mean, I'm not saying it's happening tomorrow, but the more we let this stuff happen, it's going to become more and more accepted. And I'm with Tony on this one. He said this like over a year ago, man. And I'm with him. Like, I know because he sometimes says like, I'm not always agree. Like, you know, we all don't always agree on everything. Like, I think like, you know, there's more we could do, but he is damn right. If, if we see that on the street, there is no more talking anymore, right? Like me, I'm one of the people that tries to see the benefit of the doubt. If you see people walking on the streets with kids trying to tell me that they're in a relationship, let's just say it's going to be an interesting situation because I don't want to go into detail, but you know what I mean? I'm agreeing with what we talked about with Tony. Like, I'm not going to put that on air, but I think that's true. You know what I mean? That's what, exactly what would happen. No, I completely agree with that. and. It's just fascinating to me that we're banning any books before 2008 in Ontario, but these books are being pushed to the forefront. And these books, you know, these books are in Ontario, too, because they're huge. You know, like uh, Justin Trudeau loves all of that. And to to clip it off, to to final off, you got to get the star of the show, right? The non-binary star with the stupidest name, Mix. Not Max, not no Mix. Is that mix? It's it is a funny little. Some of it's kind of entertaining because you know Kennedy's like to me. Kennedy is a pretty entertaining senator. He he knows what he's doing. He knows how to use and tactics. But it's interesting what Mix says. What it sounds like a her to me. Um, like what we were getting into that we're bigots and we don't understand the LGBT community and almost insinuating that the LGBT community is. Se- like they're active in sex at a very, very young age, which is very disturbing. Well, well let me skip you for a second, Mr. Um, Cameron. Tell me what you're you're proposing. It's pronounced mix. Um, mix. Is that how you? How would you like me to refer to you, Senator? Your definition of sexual is synonymous with LGBTQ identity. Library. I'm not asking you that. I'm asking you to tell me. You read those two excerpts. Gender Do queer. Do you think that? Are you asking that only librarians and not parents have any say in whether minors can read those books? Is that what you're saying? Gender queer has never been in my school library, so it's never been banned. Well, suppose it was. Should it be up? Just to the librarian, or should parents have a say? There should be facilitation of collaboration between should students. Parents, parents have and a educators. say. Parents should be working with students and educators to okay. be making decisions because right. students right. are. And who decides ultimately, the librarian, or do you take a vote, or who takes the vote? Book review committees in the community in my school district. You want a committee to decide? There are committees. Okay. Well, I'm asking you, how do we decide whether the two books that I just referenced should be available in the library? What, what would you, if you, were, if you were running things, what would you do? All Boys Aren't Blue, the scene you mentioned, is about sexual abuse. I know what it's about. It's not What erotic. would you do in terms of making the books available? Would you say anybody can see them or they have to be in a special session? Students who do not read books like All Boys Aren't Blue cannot learn what is appropriate. I understand that. They cannot learn I understand, but none of you abuse. want to answer my question. You come here and you say censorship is bad, and of course it's bad. But the obvious response is, okay, you heard the books we're talking about. Okay, we're not talking about Catcher in the Rye. 
So tell me what you want, who gets to decide. And all I've heard is the librarians. And parents have nothing to do with it. And if that's your response, what planet did you just parachute in from? Parents, Senator. Or what country, more appropriately? This is not China. Ding, 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 ding. Got to get the Republican had to throw in a little of that China. You know what I mean? Like get that China free marguerite. But did you notice how Mix, <laughs> the stupidest name, man, was saying like, this is synonymous with, this goes hand in hand with LGBT ideology. What? And then they try to say, you know, like rape. I didn't read the book, right? And I'm not going to read the book. But like from what I've seen, I'm like, I get this whole aspect, but the the talks of like the pleasure and the way it's written and some of the stuff I have seen, it tells me that they're trying to persuade people and like, it's okay if you're pleasure at a young age, man, that's we all did like, no, man, that's not, you do not want that to be accessible to me. They are making it to where you're going to have more people that are going to be abused as children because now they're going to be afraid and think this is normal or hey, Think about this. You could be abused and you now are fearful of saying anything because if I say it, I'm a bigot. That's crazy, man. You can be a victim of an actual crime and now you're a bigot. You're a bigot, man. I can't believe you to call that guy a pedophile, man. Like, it's wild. Absolutely. It's, I don't have anything else to say about that, Sean. It's awful and it's not even something that should be even in discussion. The fact that it is in discussion is very, very disturbing. Beyond disturbing. And that's why, like, I was like, I saw you had this story. I was like, let's save it for the end because it's going to be kind of gruesome. <laughs> but Danish artists submitted two empty canvases to museum for payment. I'm going to play that clip real quick so we can kind of wash away that horrible <laughs> stuff that we're just listening to. Just days before new COVID-19 restrictions forced the closure of museums across Denmark, art enthusiasts in the city of Albo take a peek at pieces questioning how happy we are with our jobs and why there never seemed to be enough. The exhibit is called Work It Out, and museum director Lasse Andersen tells us one particular piece has created quite a stir. When you work with artists, you, they, they challenge the way we perceive the world, and you can, you can never know what you get. The Kunsten Museum of Modern Art certainly had no idea what they'd be in for when they loaned Danish artist Jens Hanning more than half a million krona, approximately $84,000. The cash was supposed to be placed inside these frames, an attempt to recreate an earlier work by Hanning and to illustrate income gaps affecting Danes. But when the canvases were delivered, they were blank. Hanning had decided on his own to create a new work, one he called Take the Money and Run. My staff was really worried, saying, oh my God, we don't have the art piece we wanted and where's all the money? The museum is displaying the piece but they're also threatening legal action if the money isn't eventually returned. That dude's walking around like... <laughs> Dude, I'm going to tell you right now, I got nothing for love for Jens Hanning and what he did. I love it. Here's the thing. This, 
This happened during right smack in the middle, middle of COVID. And the reason why it's coming back up into the uh, sphere again is because he's fighting this uh, court ruling. Now, the court ruling, funny enough, did not tell him to repay it all back. Said he could keep right around $6,000 from the original amount given to him by the museum because that constitutes as an artist fee because the exhibit was held from September 24th to January 16th of 2022. So here's the best part about it is that they actually showcased these two blank canvases in frames called Take the Money and Run in the exhibit. So they actually did take them and still, they didn't even push back on them. The only thing they did was ask for the money back. And when, and when uh, Hanning said no, Hey, this is my art piece. You can't tell me what art is, which he's absolutely right. Art is subjective. It could be whatever you want. Also, if you take a very close look at the blank canvases, he actually did a lot of work of like ripping them and tearing them and having like all kind of weird designs in the blank canvas itself. So it wasn't like he just threw a blank canvas up there. He did some weird little designs and stuff in each of them. So, at the end of the day, art is subjective. It could be whatever you want it to be. They just asked him to bring two pieces of art, donate it to this exhibit. They paid him to do it, a total of counting the 6000 or 7000 it was around $75,000 total. So like for the art itself, it was right around 70000 for that. So he did what he was asked to do. They didn't tell him specifically any kind of thing to do with the art. He just played the system. I love it. I love seeing guys that do this because to me, he's making a point. All of these artists out there making money, just slapping stuff together, calling it art. If somebody wants to pay an inordinate amount of money for that because they like it and it's to them a great piece of work, let them. I don't have a problem with it. As a creative mind, Sean, I love it. Who cares? Like the guy just made a ton of money off nothing and called it exactly what it was. They can't hate on him for that. I think he has every right to appeal. And I love any time that the system gets a nice middle finger in their face. And I feel like Hanning is done it. If I could get a hold of those blank canvases and showcase them for myself now after that, I'm telling you, somebody's going to pay a lot of money for those when they're pulled from the exhibit. I'm telling you, just because oh, yeah. of what they represent. Dude, there was a guy point. that sold a, a, a invisible sculpture, man, for like a hundred thousand, like a ton of money. It might even be more than a hundred thousand. And I'll give a little sneak peek for the following week because I didn't get to uh, fit into this week. It's going to be one of the stories we're going to talk about. But uh, uh, what about Mar uh, Mar uh, Maria Bramovich? And running, she runs into people naked. That's art. Hey, dude, you get <laughs> he gets all my support. I thought it was hilarious. That's what they get. And I mean, that's what the exhibit's called. He did what he had to do. And I, I thought that was a great story to end on instead of the other crap. Because, yeah, you're right. Like, art is supposed to be interpreted how we want. So, he did what we... <laughs> he took the money <laughs> Money ran. in the bank and money in the bank. <laughs> Seeing you with money it, in the bank. <laughs> That's what we can change his name to. I'm all for it. I absolutely love it. And it's it's fantastic, man. And don't forget, guys, you can check out killthemockybirds.com and some of our disinformation section 
that can have all kinds of goodies for you. Not to mention the great new merch that we got coming out that thanks for everybody that's been supporting it. We got a lot of good shirts on the way. And after this episode, the following day, you will hear uh, what our new shirt that we brewed up uh, and it will be out and available. Even if you can't make it to 40 in Airways, it will still be available uh, that weekend. Absolutely, man. And part of my journey of getting away from the old girlfriend, you know, the old ginger love, the old Jen Saki, you know, I've done a really good job. I told you last time we talked that I blocked her number. I, I think I've got the new one, man. I think this one could be the one. And, you know, she's that trad wife, man, that traditional, what everyone loves and, and elite ginger at that. But Pearl Davis, man, Pearl Davis is in the sights, in the scope. And we've talked. We have talked over the past week, and we just, I just feel like we align so well. Whereas, you know, before we had different ideologies, it worked because it was kind of the yin and yang thing going on. But I feel like in this position, Pearl Davis and I are really on the same track, man. And I think, I think it's moving into that sphere of where it needs to be, man. Hey, I hope you're happy for me, but I, I think no, it's I am. I like that. That's now that's a ginger combo. That's like that. That's the way you do it. But also you could check out Sean Chris and Joel Thomas, all music streaming platforms. Go check out the shape of shadows. Joel Thomas. We're going to get out on one of those songs from shape of shadows lights on the Mesa. You know how we do it here. Wake the fuck up or get woke the fuck up. Brat, brat. Bird killers. So bright, makes me think about life. 
Trying to cruise on a trail 